0: You're listening to a DM Podcast. G'day guys, welcome to episode 215 of the Talking with TK Podcast. My special guest today is South Sydney Rabbitohs front rower, Mark Nichols. Mark's career has seen him play 110 NRL first grade games. He debuted at the Raiders in 2012. His journey also took him to the Melbourne Storm before he found some great consistency at the Rabbitohs where he's been since 2018. Now welcome to the podcast, Mark Nichols. G'day Mark. Hey, mate, how are you? Doing good, man. Great to have you on the show. And, you know, this year you've had a ripper year, but let's start with the story. I want to know a little bit more about the Nichols and a little bit more about Leeton.
1: Uh, yeah, started, that's where the, I guess, the journey for me started. Um, grew up in Leeton, small country town uh, in southwest New South Wales, um, heart of the Murrumbidgee Irrigation. So, yeah, it was good. We uh, started in town, but um, when I was about seven or eight, we moved onto five acres, sort of on the fringe of town. So nice, wasn't quite a farm, but we had um, enough room for a motorbike and um, a big dam, and and then Dad built me a footy field. So
0: yeah, good. Well, one of those day. mini mini posts. Did you get one of those?
1: Yeah, yeah. He had the um, got the PVC pipes and um, sort of built built two posts at each end. It was probably the field was probably seventy or eighty meters by about. 30, so, um, you know, for a kid that wanted to play NRL, it was, it was perfect.
0: Hang on, mate, when I was doing a little bit of research, there was a comment, I think it might have been Sammy Williams, who said that you had a, you goal kicked or something in flag, and is this where the goal kicking comes from, mate, all these backyard practices?
1: Yeah, I did, um I kicked five from 10 in uh, in the old Toyota Cup, uh, under 20s there when I was at Raiders. So, <laughs> um yeah funny funny story I, I we had um the sort of that year uh, it was early that year but we had like jared croker josh dugan um semi could kick a bit so we had all these goal kickers but um a couple of them got injured and croaks and um, deuce went up the first grade and we sort of went from having like five kickers to none in the space of like two <laughs> weeks and so the, the coach was andrew mcfadden and he um and he sort of just said, Oh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a kickoff at training. I think we still had Mick Picker, was our 5'8", and he was the goal kicker, but he basically said, I don't know who's gonna kick after him, so we'll have a kickoff at training just for a bit of fun. Yeah. And uh and I ended up winning the kickoff, and then you know, five minutes into the game that weekend, Mick Picker gets injured, and so the message comes out that I'm the goal kicker, <laughs> and all of course, it became a reality. I had the to actually kick and so the first week the first week I went I went well I kicked a couple from the sideline and then um the next week you know with the having to think about it all week and the pressure of actually being the goal (laughs) kicker I um I missed one at front we played Cronulla at Shark Park um and I think it was about 20 we had like a 20 all draw but I I missed a goal from in front so pretty much the boys were were into me and (laughs) I got the sack up. I got the sack that week from the coach and never kicked again so. There you go But yeah um, Growing up with the footy field I used to uh, You know Dad tells everyone that you know even as a like 10 or 11 year old kid I was I was out on the um, out on the footy field sort of versus myself You know I'd pretend to be you know Melbourne Storm versus the Bunnies and Yeah yeah I'd run for all the players and um, yeah kick, try and kick the goals um, for all the tries that I scored in the backyard versus no one but uh, as I said, you know, when you want to want to play football and you've got your own football field, it's um, pretty pretty good as a kid.
0: Mate, you should get into JD's here, mate. Reno's gone. Latrell suspended for round one. Like you, you could get a start here, mate.
1: I oh, know. I'm, I'm. You know. I'm, imagine if I um, started kicking goals too. It'd be, it'd be great. The fans would love
0: it. Yeah, the goat. The goat with the goal kicking. How good, <laughs> mate? Yeah, back back to Leeton. Like, how many people are actually in Leeton?
1: I think it's about ten thousand. Okay. Um, you know, there's a few little towns in that around Leeton as well. So yeah, the the, the town's about ten thousand. Okay. Uh, give or take, I guess. Nice. Um, so yeah, sort sort of small town where you sort of know most people, I guess.
0: Nice, mate. You know, you mentioned your old man before. Was he? Did he play rugby league?
1: Yeah. So I grew up, um, you know, from as young as I can remember, uh, watching my dad and my uncle play. For the local first grade team, know, um, yeah, and back then, sort of like NRL, you know, was on late Friday night, so I probably I, I didn't really watch that as a young kid. Um, and then the only other the other game on on Channel Nine was the Sunday afternoon mm. game, and again, I, I didn't really watch it because I was I'd go watch my my dad and my uncle play local first grade. Um, so you know, when I when I was real little, you know, my heroes were sort of like the guys that played. You know, my dad and my uncle, but they're guys that played local first grade as well, you know, like they were the guys I looked up to. And um, you know, my my um both my like my grandparents um owned a Weybridge company that was sort of like major sponsors for forever of the club. Um and, and then my you know, my dad's dad, my pa um, sort of was you know, on the board and the um secretary of president at one stage and he used to like mark the lines he sort of did everything and um you know for about five years there i was i was the ball boy um or the or you know yeah you, you alternated games so one game you'd be ball boy and the next game you'd be the sand the sand That's guy nice. so you'd have to run the sand <laughs> and run goals um so yeah as i said growing up um when i was really young they sort of i'd play footy on saturday and follow my dad uh, on the sunday and um, you know, try and sort of emulate the guys that were playing local first grade. That's all I wanted to do. But as I got a bit older and um started to watch a bit more NRL, then that's when the I guess the dream changed to, you know, aim a bit higher than um, playing first grade for for the Leeton Greenies.
0: Yeah, Mark. Congratulations! I saw that you just got your your grad c- certificate from university as well, mate. That's a that's a big achievement, especially being a rugby league full timer as well. But to- talk to me a little about little Mark and how he was at school.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I was. Mum and Dad were always pretty pretty good on, um, I guess, enforcing. Uh, you know. Going to school and, and doing your best, um, you know. As any country kid, I did a lot of sport. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love sport, um, but mum and dad, it was sort of always, you know, you can do sport, but as soon as your school starts to suffer, then um, you know you'll lose you'll lose out on sport. And we sort of always had to, you know, when we first got home from from school, we used to always have to do our homework first, and then we were all out, Once the homework was done, we could do whatever we wanted, you know, out in the backyard. So I was always I was always pretty um, pretty good at school, and you know, mum and dad were a big influence there. And and then obviously, you know, um, tried to play as much sport as I could as well.
0: Yeah. Now, Mark, uh, a little bit, again, research, you guys moved to Canberra, but for all the sporting glory you're starting to get, it was your sister that you moved guys for. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, she sort of says, um, you know, it wasn't all her, but yeah, it got to the point. In her swimming career, where she um, she needed to train all year round, and Leeton only had an outdoor pool open that, that was only open four or five months of the year. Yeah. Um, so, mum and dad used to have to drive her to Griffith three nights a week um, in winter, and it got to the point. You know, um, she's she would have been I was fifteen, so she was thirteen, and sort of got to the point where, she, you know, she was competing with people from Sydney and Canberra that trained all year round, and um. Yeah, mum and dad sort of just also, I guess, wanted, you know, me, my brother and my sister to have as many opportunities as possible and wanted to move to a bigger area. And originally we, I think they have sort of thought maybe Albury or Wagga, mm. just, you know, as, as bigger sort of country cities. But um, both got good jobs in Canberra, so so we made the move to Canberra as a family and um, I was there for a year just playing local footy for the Gunga and Bulls and then um, – you know, at the end of that year, sort of, the Raiders just put out a thing that they do every year saying, you know, come and try out for our under-16s team, and that's uh, that's what I did. I sort of had, you know, no, no no one from the Raiders saying, come and try out. I just I just did it like any other, any kid in Canberra that wanted to play for the Raiders.
0: Yeah, nice, Mark. Were you always a front rower, mate?
1: No, I was always an edge back rower. Okay. Um, so, I played all, all my junior reps at Raiders and all my junior footy as an edge back rower, and... Um, my first year out of twenties, you know, playing Q Cup back then because um the rate it was the last year that the Raiders were with South Slogan. I flew up the Queensland every week, played edge back row, and then, uh that that off season, um Dave Ferner was the coach of of first grade and just sort of said in my end of season review that um that he thought I might be a bit slow, I guess, to be a to be an edge back rower, and sort of thought that um. You know, my future, if I was to play NRL at that point, was going to be in the middle and sort of said, were you open to moving to move into the front row?
0: Yeah, big big move, but obviously it's paid off in the, the end. But, mate, early in, in those times, was there, a, was there a senior player that took you under the wing? Uh,
1: not necessarily. Um, I guess as any young fella, you sort of, you know, you, you try and learn as much as you can off the old blokes. Mm. Um, you know, when I first went into – into that top squad at, at Canberra, there was guys like Josh Miller and Alan Tung um, that were just really, really good trainers, you know, like they would just, you know, 110% in everything that they did. Um, and I guess sort of those are type of players, I guess, you know, the guys that probably don't have the natural talent that some other players have, but, you know, went on to play 150, 200 first grade games just through pure work ethic you know and, and, and obviously a little bit of talent um, you know so guys like that I sort of I guess I looked up to um, you know and, and we, you know those early years we sort of had a lot of big front rowers Dane Tilson Tommy yeah. Leroy Lars and David Shillington and Brett White you know those those sort of guys I used to hate having to get in a <laughs> wrestle match with but um, yeah it was sort of I guess um, there was a few young guys there me Paul Vaughan you know Shannon Boyd sort of coming through as, as middles that used to sort of, I guess look up to those bigger boys.
0: Mate, you debuted against the Dragons at home, but you know David Ferner. You mentioned him before your your head coach. How did he break it to you that you'll be debuting?
1: Yeah, well, I'd been um, I'd been 18th man sort of the three weeks before, and, um, and we played the week before. They played uh, up in Townsville against the Cowboys, and I think it was Trevor Thurling and. Um, and someone else in the middle got injured. And so, you know, Dad dad was... Mum and Dad um, were actually going to America on, like, the Wednesday with my brother and sister just for a family trip. I and um, and so Dad was like, well, I'm not going because, you know, Mark's definitely going to play. He's 18th man and <laughs> the likes have got injured. Um, and so Mum was like, you know, don't be silly. We've, we've had this trip booked for months, um, you know, and because on the tuesday they named the team and you know they sort of i guess gave those guys we're going to give those guys the opportunity to sort of play so i wasn't even named in the 17 yep. and um and so mum was like you know we'll get on the plane and go and um i think it was about the friday um Dave said you know well i can't remember who it was wasn't going to play but he said you're you're in um and we were playing monday night at canberra so By that stage, Dad had just landed in America and (laughs) wanted to get back on a plane to come home, but um, in the end, Mum made him stay in America.
0: Yeah. How nervous were you on the bench, mate?
1: Well, it was was funny. I actually was the first interchange, so I was pretty nervous, and I guess Dave probably looked after me and got me straight out there, um, which was a bit of a surprise because I I, I sort of – I can't remember if he had told me otherwise, but I I was of the assumption that you know I'd probably go on late in the sec- late in the first half or even you know the second half depending on how we how we how we use the interchange. But I was the first one, so I was straight out there. Nice, um, which was good. Yeah, I, I still I still remember my, my first run was sort of um, you know they sort of dragons had kicked long and I sort of ran on the field and just called the ball straight away and somehow I end up running it, um, Ben Hornby and Matt Cooper. So I must've been a bit nervous about running in the middle and <laughs> try to, try to pick out some smaller guys out on the edge. Um, but yeah, I, I sort of have a laugh with Benny now cause he's obviously out one of our yeah. assistant coaches. Um, but yeah, it's, it's for, for, a, for a young guy, um, you know, you work so hard for so long to get to that, that point. And, um, you know, it's, it was just a, it was just a something I'll obviously always remember.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, Mark, I'm going to pick your brain a little bit. I've got a few videos, so I've clipped a few things from your career. I'm just going to play this yep. one back to you. Now, oh, let's see where it is. Sorry, mate. It's your first ever try. Let's see if I can get this up. It was up here before. It was a cracker, mate. You were wearing a headgear as well. Like, yeah. While I get this video up. And see if I can get this up. Sorry, mate. Yeah, while I get this video up, explain the the headgear.
1: Yeah, well I I, I always wore a headgear as a young guy. Um yeah, my mum made me wear a headgear like most footy mums do, and um yeah, I just I just I'd always worn one. Um, and that first year of that first year out of twenty.
0: Sorry, mate, did that come up?
1: I heard the commentary, but no, nah, it didn't come up.
0: All right, I'll play the commentary to you later. But yeah, sorry, Mark, go ahead.
1: Nah, so as I said, I always, I always wore a headgear um, until the first time I didn't was playing when I when I went up to play Q Cup um, for South Logan my first year out of twenties, and it was a bit hot wearing a headgear, so I um I stopped wearing a headgear, and then the next year um we we went back to New South Wales Cup, and I just sort of started. I guess, wearing it again, and um, I can't remember at what point it, I stopped wearing it, but, yeah, my first couple of years of, of NRL, I definitely had the headgear on.
0: Nice. I like it. Let's see if I can bring this up Not for you. In the first half of the Raiders to test the right-side defence once more. I kick from Williams. John Wright goes high and lost it. It's picked up, is it? They're still on the ground. They'll go close to scoring. The referee's going to have a look at it. On the ground. No, he's not. He, he went back like he was going to. Is to test the right side. Here we go. I think I did. I come up. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. John goes high and lost it. It's picked up, is it? They're still on the ground. They'll go close to scoring. No, he's not. He, he went back like he was going to. Nichols is over, but he's then going to have a look at it. And this time, video referee Russell Smith saw enough to give the home side. Wait, how good? You and Dane Tills could nearly be twins back then.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was probably uh, a bit leaner than what I am now, a bit of a string bean. But uh, <laughs> it's funny. I hadn't. I hadn't seen that try for a long time until probably about six months ago. Someone. Someone tagged me in it. And, okay. And over time, I'd sort of thought I ran a lot further, which was pretty funny. Right?
0: <laughs> As they do. Mate, were yeah, you shitting you know, yourself when Chechen was- went to the video ref?
1: Well, I knew I'd scored it straight away, but then okay. uh, it went to the video ref and they kept looking at it and I thought, oh, don't tell me they're going to you know, sort of take it off, take it off me, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, so I'd sort of told all the boys, yeah, yeah, I scored, I scored. And, uh, <laughs> But, yeah, they kept, They looked at it, you know, I don't know if it was just because it was my first try and um, I, sh- I was showing a bit more interest, but they seemed to have watched the replay a, a few times and was starting to make me nervous. But, yeah, the, the um, green light come up, so pretty happy to get the uh, first try. How
0: yeah, good. Now, mate, talk to me about the first three years because first year you played about a dozen games, only a couple games. I think you got injured in the second year. How bad was that injury? Because you completely didn't play 2014, right?
1: Yeah, so I um I debuted debuted uh, twenty twelve and, and played every game from my debut onwards, and it was um yeah it was a crazy year because when I debuted we sort of weren't really going that well at Canberra we were almost last mm. and um, and then we went on a bit of a run um and ended up make ended up finishing sixth and having a home semi um which we won and sort of. Um, you know, I remember at one stage, sort of my second or third game, we played the Titans at home in front of about six thousand people and got booed off at halftime. And then, you know, that first first semi, there was twenty five thousand people there, and we and we beat Cronulla, and the yeah. atmosphere was know, yeah, crazy. And um, it was just it was just crazy. It was a crazy year. And as I said, I, I sort of played every game, and. Um, Got to the end of the year, got rookie of the year, and I sort of thought, you know, how easy is his first grade? This is, this is, <laughs> uh, this is um, living the dream, you know. I, I sort of re signed on an upgraded contract and um, and sort of thought I was, I thought I'd made it. Um, but yeah, I, I had a really good pre season the next year and sort of um, played well in the trials. And um, as we had um, Brett White and, and Tommy Leroy were sort of, I think Brett White was coming back from ACL and um, you know, Tommy was sort of getting towards the end of his career, and sort of Dave said after the trials that he was going to pick me on the bench, and he wasn't sure which one of those two guys he was going to pick. But, um, you know, he sort of said, you have done enough to to get in front of those guys," which you know was I was sort of really proud of because that sort of year that I debuted, I got my chance, I guess, because other guys got injured, um, some of those older senior blokes, and you know, we we started the year, um. Penrith at Penrith and we got beat by about 40. And then um sort of Dave said we're gonna make changes if if that performance happens again. And then the next week we got beat by by the Titans uh, up at the Gold Coast and probably by about about the same margin and um and went into Monday Monday review and Dave made one change and that was me um getting dropped. So you know, I sort of um you yeah, know, look back on it now, but you know, I, I sort of didn't handle it well as a young guy. Um, you know, sort of kicked stones and and um, and got on, got on the piss a little bit, and um, I guess went back to Reggie's with the wrong attitude. Mm. Uh, you know, which is sort of something that now that I, when you know when I see young guys in the same position, I try to have a bit of a word to them. But um, you know, I, I sort of went back to Reggie's and uh, and again, um, as I said, I was. Sort of gotten a bit of a funk for a couple of weeks. Just had the shits, and um, you know, just had a poor attitude, and and sort of tried to, um, you know, instead of facing it head on, I sort of tried to run away from it and get on the get on the beers a little bit, and um, and then probably you know about six weeks later, uh, a couple of guys got injured again, and um, yeah, I obviously wasn't playing my best footy in, in Reggie's, as you can imagine, and. Um, my me, me good mate Paul Vaughan was killing it. So, mm. you know, he got called up to make his debut. And that's probably when I realised, you know, like that's it doesn't matter how many games you've played or, or, you know, who you are. It's you, you, the next guy up is based on who's playing well in reserve grade, which it should be. And, um, and it's probably, probably, you know, was the wake up call I needed. But, you know, two weeks later, I got injured and, um, shattered my forearm. So, um i think it was about 10 round 10 and um straight away that was sort of said season over wow Uh, yeah so um it was you know as i said I, i sort of i've done a few um sort of few guest speaking roles um just about having the right mindset and how you handle adversity and stuff like that and um yeah that's one of the things i talk about is how that year had started so well for me but um, just because I wasn't able to to handle one setback. Um, you know, my year was a bit of a waste in the end. Um, and then obviously Dave Ferner um, got sacked at the end of that year or got, got replaced by Ricky. And, um, you know, Ricky came in and sort of, I guess, I struggled to get a run under Ricky for for two years and that's how I ended up at Melbourne.
0: Yeah. Now, Mark, you know, we talk about in our life's, great influences and, you know, you're back the career now, last four years at South Sydney, you've found so much consistency. But, like, was there – is there a particular person that's helped you mould the kind of mindset that you've got now?
1: Oh, I no, not, not, don't know if it's a particular person, but, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, there's a couple of things. You know, as I said, I um, – I sort of struggled to get a run under Ricky for two years at Canberra and, you know, I was 25 and off contract and, um, had the opportunity to stay at, stay at Canberra or, um, you know, had a two year deal at the Warriors on the table, um, or I could go to Melbourne, you know, on the minimum for a one year, no, no promises. But at 25, um, you know, I was sort of at that point where I, only played, I think, at that stage, uh, 19 games in, in five seasons. And I guess it was, I sort of, you know, for 10 or 15 years, Melbourne had been turning players like me into first-grade players. So yeah. I sort of thought, you know, why not go down there and, and give it a crack? And I guess when you do go down there, um, you know, one of the things i probably learned is a bit of, bit of gratitude and just, um, you know, I guess I, I wanted to go down there and prove as a footy player and, I definitely did that, and you know, even though I only played nine games in two years, you know, if I'd said that before I went down there, I probably would have said that you know that that would be an unsuccessful two years. But I improved as a footy player. Um, you know, I met my I met my now wife, so you know, I, I sort of started to improve, I guess, as a person, and um, got a lot of stability in my life, mm. uh, you know, and and happiness, and and as I said. You know, when You are when you're at a team and you're playing reserve grade and the first grade team's losing, you know, you can get a bit frustrated because you think, well, you know, why not just give us, give some guys a chance and see what happens. But when you're at the best team in the comp and you're playing reserve grade, it's you don't really get frustrated. You know, you sort of just wanting to take it all in and enjoy the ride and learn as much as you can. Um you know, and, and that's what I think Melbourne do really well Is they put a lot of effort into the guys, into the fringe guys. So even though you're, you're not playing first grade, you can still see your footy improving. And, um, you know, as a footy player, that's, I guess, that's all you want um, to know you're getting better. And, and obviously then, you know, had the opportunity to come to see us and I guess show that I had improved as a footy player.
0: Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought up, like, the stability of your life off the field. And I think that kind of relates to not just football, but even work in general. Like, when we're happy off, you know, away from work, we're generally happier people and perform at work. But talk to me a little bit about that, your stability that you got with your wife. You've just become a father as well. So talk to me a little bit about fatherhood.
1: <laughs> yeah, I've... Um... 18 months old now Darcy is so um, she's at that whirlwind age um, getting into everything. But yeah, put, I guess when you just when you have a um, a daughter, I guess it just puts into perspective a little bit about what you do. You know, you you go to footy training and first thing you see when you come in the door is is Darcy running up to me, with smiling and happy to see her dad. Um, but also, you know, it gives you something to motivate you. I guess to to also push to go further when. know when you're at training and and um yeah i guess as any parent you just want your kids to be proud of of who you are and what what you've done and i guess also be that role model for them um so yeah she's uh she's great i um yeah i love being a dad it's it's funny i um i still remember when i was in under 20s um at, at the raiders and andrew mcfadden was our coach and he sort of said to me at one stage, you know, the best thing you'll do for your footy career is is settle down and, you know, find a partner and have kids <laughs> and stuff like that. And, you know, as a 19-year-old, that went in one ear and out the other. But 10 years later, when I finally did, um, you know, settle down and start and have, have a daughter and I started playing good footy, I realised he was probably right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> 100%. Now, mate, just taking you back to the the storm days, that couple of years, when, when you turned up, did you have to do the army camp?
1: Yeah, did the uh, had to do the work program? Um, Would they
0: put Would they put you in? Uh,
1: so the first first couple of days, I was just helping out a gardener. Um, so f- there's I, I ended up raking leaves for about two days straight, and then um, and then the last few days we were we were at a um, it was a builder. Um, so he's built he was building a duplex, but he was sort of building down like having a basement um, so it was you know pretty fancy duplex and it was me and Jeremy Hawkins so we we'd both been at the Raiders together and, and gone down to Melbourne and it was funny because you know the first few days as I said we just we were raking non-stop and then the last couple of days when we were with the builder um, they were they were struggling to um, they'd hit chip rock and so they sort of weren't they were sort of like moving real slow um, and there wasn't really much for us to do so we sort of were like getting a bit scared that, you know, Craig would turn up or someone from the club would come check on us. And most of the time we were sort of just sitting under the tree watching this watching this bloke trying to excavate, um, you know, this ground that was going nowhere. And even at one stage, like, you know, it started raining a little bit and they sort of went, oh, well, we you know, we're going to go home um, and locked up the building site. And we, me and Jeremy didn't know what to do. We were too scared to sort of go back to training because, you know, everyone was rocking up to train and, in the afternoon wrecked, you know, like they were just working hard and here we were at like 12 o'clock sitting there and with nothing to do, we're just sitting in his car and we're like, what do we do, you know, what happens if Craig turns up and we're, you know, we're not working or what if we leave and someone turns up and no one's here and um, it's all sort of that that mind games are going down to a Melbourne pre-season. Um, but yeah, and then, and then obviously you have the army camp before Christmas and you sort of only have to do it, the first year you go down there, so um, everyone who's already there has done it and know they're not doing it, so they're more than happy to tell you how hard it is and, um, yeah, as I said, for that <laughs> four, four or five, six weeks leading into it, you're already doing a hard pre-season as it is, um, you know, as Melbourne's renowned for, but then you also got all the guys that are, that have already done it that are sort of more than happy to tell you when you're sitting in the spa at the end of the day how, how hard the army camp is. So it's all you're thinking about for like six weeks is how hard this army camp is going to be.
0: Yeah. Now, Mark, you know, spoke before about, you know, making the most of a move to the storm because of pretty much the system and what they do down there. But just to give us an insight, like, is it the intensity? Is it the competition? Like, what's it like over there? Do you think that's really stands them out?
1: Oh, I think, yeah, it's just a, I think they're just a well-oiled machine. Um, you know, I guess the uh, you know the front office works well, and then you know Craig obviously um, you know he's the hardest working man at the Storm. You know, like he's in at four thirty, five o'clock every morning training, and then yep. you know he's in his office before most blokes have even walked in the door, and then you know he's always in his office when you leave. So um, you know that's that's the standard, I guess, set in in terms of work ethic and you know, you quickly learn, um, you know, that's what's expected. I, I still remember, you know, my first couple of weeks of training and, um, you know, after training doing extras and it's sort of like, you know, I guess at, at Canberra it was almost a little bit of a joke, you know, that you, if you did extras, mm. you know, if you did too many extras, you know, people would start to say you're the teacher's pet or something. But, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, down there you look over and like, you know, Dale Finucane and Jesse Bromwich and Kenny and like, you know, even Cam and, and Billy and stuff like they're all doing extras after training for 20 minutes, 30 minutes. So you sort of realize like, if I'm not going to do it, then how am I going to get in the team? Because all the blokes in the team are doing it. So um, I guess it's just the standard that's, you know, been set from day one with Craig and, um, you know, the players that are there just withhold that standard. And and you talk about culture and, I guess for young guys that go down there, you sort of, or you know, even older guys that go down there, um, you quickly realise that that's what's expected, and so you sort of just jump on board.
0: Yeah, Mark, when you finish, you'll be able to write like a leadership and culture book. Like when you think what well, you had a camp with Ferns and Ricky, and then you went to Storm with Craig and all his assistants. You had siebes and now Wayne Bennett and JD. It's you, it's like one of those things. It's like a little. A little thing on the side that not a lot of people get to experience. It's 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 great, but man,
1: yeah, yeah, I guess, um, yeah, it's one of the benefits, I guess, of of working with with guys and just seeing the different leadership styles. You know, like Craig and Wayne have obviously both been very success, successful, but two completely different styles of coaching. Um, you know, and, and yeah, who 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 are you to say one's better than the other? But um, yeah, as, I guess, you know, for a player, it's, it's, it's good to, um, to have those sort of guys um, looking to improve you every day.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, I just want to stick on leadership. And before we talk about the Souths days, I've just got this clip to play up. Yeah. And then I want to just chat to you about leadership.
1: <laughs> so we all know forwards. They do the tough carries, get line speed. East West, kick pressure. I mean, halfbacks are smart. But if you look back at the past two decades of this club, the most inspirational leaders Sam Burgess, OG coach John Sutton, big bad Brian Fletcher. They're all forwards. It's about time this team had a forward as a skipper. <laughs> <laughs> and
0: who better than a forward who scored a double last year?
1: All seriousness, boys, play with
0: effort, do your job, have fun, and we will get the two competition points. Now, Mike, I love it. I love it. Mate, have you ever read this book? It's called The Leader Who Had No Title. Have you ever read that?
1: Nah. It's a fantastic
0: book. It's just all about leadership and, like, you know how, like, m- most people assume that managers or coaches have to be the leader or the guy with the, the C. So this book is yep. literally telling you, like, all the different things you need to do to help your organisation or your team, et cetera, et cetera, without having the captain. And, you know, you got clubman of the year this year and speaking to a few of your teammates, everyone loves you. So obviously it's a huge thing that you do even though that day you were the captain, but the majority of the time you don't have the C next to your name. So can we just talk a little bit about your leadership approach and your role within the team?
1: Yeah, I um, I guess I haven't really thought about it too much, but – yeah, I guess I guess as a player I sort of just the, just that guy that turns up every day wanting to do his best and um, you know and and do my job um, and do it to the best of my ability which you know I guess um, as a teammate that's all you want out of out of your other teammates um, you know I guess as i probably um, you know if, as I said when I when I got that award I've sort of I you know, enjoy, I guess, flying under the radar a little bit. So, you know, this season's been, um, yeah, been crazy when I, I think back of some of the stuff that's um, that's happened, and when, you know, even where I've come from in my career to 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 what happened this year, it's, um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a hell of a ride. Um, but yeah, I guess as a as a leader, I, it just it's I guess some sort of probably one of those guys that just wants to. Um, you know, lead by example more than more than what they say. And um, even though I, I sort of did that speech, and um, I guess that's probably why I got such a reaction that it did is because I'm probably not that guy that normally does something like that. But um, but yeah, Wayne, Wayne sort of sort of gamed me up a couple of days beforehand and and uh, <laughs> got, got me to do a speech. Uh, uh,
0: when did Wayne tell you though you're going to be captain?
1: Uh so we, we um. We had the we had a meeting on the Monday morning, uh, just a review of the game before, and sort of the week before, um, there was a bit of talk about if we sort of were in a good position that we'd, um, or even the sort of couple of weeks before, if we are in a good position, we'd probably rest blokes for that last game, and at one stage, you know, the week before, Cookie sort of said to me, you know, you and Tommy have played every game, um, you know, and so you I guess you guys probably be looking at getting a rest. And so I, I sort of was half expecting to um to be to be rested, um, just because I had played every game and um and then sort of Wayner didn't say anything. He just sort of announced the team after review and and sort of announced the front roles and and he didn't name me. So I thought, oh yeah, I'm getting rested. But then he ended up sort of naming the lock and said, you know, and you know, playing lock this week and captain will be Mark Nichols and sort of <laughs> I was a bit of again a bit of a shock. Um, there was captain, and then later in the week, I was on the massage bed, and he and he sort of came up to me and said, "Oh, I, I the the sort of training that day before the massage, um, we'd sort of because because we that team that we named, we had had a lot of young guys and some you know guys, a lot of guys that hadn't played footy for most of the year, had sort of just been up in the bubble training, and yep. we sort of got tailed up a bit at training um, defensively, and at the end of training. JD just said, you know, like you're pretty much just versed the best attacking team in the comp. Um, you know, Cody's killing it, so don't be too worried that um, you know you've been towed up a little bit at training. Um, and sort of after that, I, I sort of just said, you know, like if we complete our sets and and kick long, we won't have to defend our line as much as we just have it training. And and as JD had just said, you know, we, you know, if you give Cody you know, heap of ball on the trial line, he's probably going to make, you know, he's made NRL teams look silly all year. So, um, you know, so we, well, I sort of just had said it, said my, my piece at, after JD at the end of training and then Benji had sort of, I guess, jeeted it up a little bit more than what it was to Wayne and sort of said that I'd um, <laughs> I'd delivered this inspirational speech. And so Wayne sort of went with it from there and said, oh, you know, that afternoon I was getting a massage and he said, I want another, you know, inspirational speech on, you um, Whatever day, well, I think it might have been Friday before the captain's run, and um, and he sort of said, you know, I want you to really g it up and talk about your two tries and and, and stuff. And, you know, like write it on a piece of paper so it looks like you're going to get up there and talk for ten minutes. So, you know, a lot of the um a lot of the credit has to go to Wayne because he sort of gave me the ideas for the speech and the and the rest sort of came off the back of that. But nice. yeah, the, the boys loved it and. Um, it was, I didn't sort of realize it was getting filmed, but luckily it did because everyone sort of loved it as well.
0: Definitely, mate. Now you know Wayne Bennett. You see, like I see him sometimes, like dancing in the dressing room and stuff like that. Is he behind the scenes? Is he a bit of a joker?
1: Oh, he's a massive joker. It's funny, like in the media, he's such a you know sort of he almost puts on that cranky old man persona, but. Um, you know, behind closed doors, he's the complete opposite. Um, you know, he loves trying to, I guess, create an environment where where players want to come in and and um, you know just just have be happy and and um, and have a bit of fun and and stuff like that. You know, he's obviously not not very old school with the um, you know video and, and stuff like that. He sort of he's more about trying to create that environment. And I guess you know the, the brilliance of Wayne going into that week was he knew we had a lot of guys um, who hadn't played, um, you know, as I said, there was a lot of guys hadn't played any first grade and, Mm. um, you know, a lot of guys hadn't played any footy in sort of three months. So he sort of, you know, I guess to to, for me to get up and, and sort of say that speech, I guess just set the tone that at the end of the day, it's just another game of footy and go out and have fun, you know, like don't overthink it. It's, you know... You don't have to be stressed about the fact that you haven't played footy for three months. Just to go out and have fun. That's what it's all about. Uh, you know, while, while we all started playing rugby league and and why we continue to do so, and um, yeah, I guess in the end it, it works. So, as I remember, um, when I found out that the film was was uh, that the speech had been recorded, I I, uh, I asked the social media guy not to put it up if we lost because then I would have looked like a goose. But um, we ended up winning, so. I look like a, um, I look brilliant, like a smart leader.
0: Yeah, Mark, is, you know, with Wayne, like the last few years he's been at Souths, is he more of a man manager than a tactician? Comment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, he sort of oversees training and, and lets JD and, and Benny run, run the drills mm. as the defense and attack coaches. And um, he obviously, you know, will take the forwards if he thinks there's an area that we sort of need to work on and he might do a couple of drills but in general he sort of just I guess he's he does what he's been doing for years and he sort of just gets gets to know the the guy that he's coaching and, and knows what makes him tick and as I said ma- keeps him happy and um, and confident and and makes him believe in himself and then you know in like myself you just don't want to let him down and and then um, that obviously brings the best out of out of players and, and as a result the best out of the team
0: yeah now Mark let's talk about the current chapter of the year in at South Sydney how did you move from the storm and then end up at the Rabbitohs where now you've gone through three prelims and a grand final so quite a bit of success
1: uh, yeah so um, the, the year 2017 so originally I went down to Melbourne on a 12 month contract and then um, had a few injuries and stuff and didn't play a lot of footy and so sort we of got towards the end of the year I hadn't really heard from my manager at all and so I ended up just going to the club and asking you know I, I didn't really want to have to move again and go through that whole um, you yeah, know pre-season and trying to prove yourself mm. uh, so I sort of sort of I just went into the storm and said if is there going to be is there anything here for me next year and and if not I'm, I'm thinking I'll probably just go play Q Cup um, I had that chat with my sort of development coach um, during a review of, of my Q Cup game and then that night, Craig ended up ringing me and um, and sort of said, you know, that he'd heard I was thinking about just going to play two Cup, and mm. and he said, you know, I, you would have played, I think you would have played NRL here if this year if you didn't have the injuries you did. Um, you know, I said, um, you know, now that I'm back, now that it was back playing Reggie's, um, I was playing good footy, I'd had a good preseason, just had some unfortunate injuries, and then, um, yeah, I said, sort of leave it with us. We, there'll sort of be something here for you next year. And so the next day I went to the football manager and sort of said, well, can you make the offer to me directly? Because I haven't uh, haven't heard from my manager for a while and, um, you know, I'd rather take take the 5% myself if I've organised this deal. Um, so he sort of said, yeah, you just need to let him know that he's no longer representing you. And, yeah. um, you know, so I had another 12 months at Melbourne and then I ended up, That's that was the year I met my partner, Perry. And, yep. um, at one stage, she sort of said, what, what happens if you have to move? And, you know, cause we were obviously just in a new relationship. Yep. And I said, Oh, you know, I'm, I got a 12 month deal last year when I didn't play. I, surely I'll get another 12 months cause I'll, this year I have played. Um, so I had the conversation again with the club and there actually wasn't a deal there for me. So I had to, um, I had to get a manager and, and obviously we had to move and, um, there was sort of nothing really i wasn't getting anything at all and um and we sort of i guess starting to get a little bit um worried about what was going to happen so i started sort of talking to a few q cup teams and um and and sort of i I ended up applying for a couple of jobs up in brizzy and that's what i was going to do and um and it was funny i just i wasn't getting any love up there with the jobs and stuff as well and sort of their grand final came and gone and then um in the end michael Maguire got replaced by Siebes. and i think um jason Rolls um put a good word in for me with Siebes and dave ferner was also at, at south sydney so um you know my manager sort of rang me and said that south had called see so he Siebes had called or he had called seebes just to see if there was going to be anything there and um in the end um, Steves gave me a call and sort of said you know if you want to come here there might be an opportunity for you um if you work hard you never know um he sort of said you know in terms of middles we've got we've got a lot of bigger guys here at the moment so um, we're looking for something a bit different and uh, in the end I spoke to Perry and we sort of said well as you got I've got nothing else to do so we took the um Took the, took the chance to come to South and move to Sydney.
0: Yeah. Now, Mark, you know, off the field, you know, you've done a little bit of work with Souths in their office, a couple of years of work as a BDM as well, part-time. What gave you that idea to start exploring an, after, an afterlife after footy?
1: It was that, um, I guess, that two months of, of our life, um, not knowing sort of, you know, what was going to happen with footy and not, not having an NRL deal. Um you yeah, know, and as I said, I started trying to apply for jobs and a couple of the Q Cup teams, I'd sort of, you know, I did a degree straight out of school. So mm. I did sports science and sports management and then um I guess just parked it. I sort of we'd always I guess coming through it was always always sort of um I guess encouraged to have a have a backup plan in case you don't make it. And um, you know, then all of a sudden I was starting to apply for jobs and it, you know, the feedback was you know, you've got no experience. You've done a uni degree, but, you know, you haven't done anything. Yeah. You've got no experience. And then I sort of – my reply was because I've been trying to play NRL for, you know, seven years. But um, in the end, that, that that experience sort of when we moved to South, my wife said, you know, if this is going to be your last 12 months of footy, you better do – you know, you better do something to um, – to make sure that if, if it doesn't work itself, there's at least a job at yep. the end of it. So that's, that the first 12 months was where I would just went into um, Shannon Donato and just um, you know, went one day a week in the, with the commercial team and sort of get, I guess learn how the the other side of the football business ran and then um, from there that's how the opportunity came to um, to get the BDM role at brand and and do try and do some sales and stuff like that. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I, I guess, um, you know, when I look at my footy career early on, you know, as coming through the grades and that last year, the, the year that I debuted was my last year of uni, um, you know, so the start of my career and, and the end of my career, I, I was always sort of doing stuff away from the field and it was the best years I had on the field. So, you know, now when, um, you know, when, when the club talks to me or asks me to have a chat to the younger guys, it's something I sort of, I guess really encouraged because you know i think when you're coming through as a young guy it sort of gets said that you need to do it as a backup plan Mm. which you don't want to really think about because you just want to think about actually making it and not i guess the flip side of not making it and what you should do if you don't make it you just want to focus on making it and then but I guess the, the the angle that I try to say is, you know, when, when you do have something away from the footy field it it also you know, personally it's it's helped me, I guess it gives you that opportunity to sort of just get away from footy even if it is one day a week or a couple of nights. Um, you know, studying and stuff like that and having a passion, um, you know, away from the field can help. It doesn't You know, don't have to be 100% footy to sort of try and make it.
0: Yeah, I think yeah, BDM role is great too because you come from a sporting background, plenty of stories to tell the clients. It's a great way to open the doors too because people want to talk to sports people. So it's actually a great role, both that and relationship management as well. But how did you kind of, because you only just stopped doing it at the start of the year. So what did your week kind of look like?
1: Um, yeah, well, as, as I said, it's sort of, um, you know, I just used to do it on my day off. We were always, we always have two days off before a game, yep. um, so I'd go into the office, uh, you know, and, and if I had meetings, um, you know, I'd go into the office or go to the meetings first and then go to the office or vice versa. And mm-hmm. then you know if I had to take a meeting, um, you know, and, and it wasn't going to be on that day off, I'd just try and organize it after training or, um, you know, on a, on a lighter day um, at training. And, um, you know, obviously last year had to had to um, pivot to doing some Zoom calls and stuff like that. Um, but, yeah, I sort of, when COVID happened, um, you know, I, I sort of always had, a, a, I guess, a passion. If I didn't go to uni, I wanted to do building. Um, and so I've always sort of wanted to go into that construction space, Uh So when COVID happened, I decided to go back to uni and do project management with the um, intention of trying to do, trying to get into that space post-footy. So, um, you know, at the start of the year, I guess, um, yeah, I made the decision to sort of try and replace that BDM role with some experience um, in project management, given that's... What I want to do after footy, so um, I've had a few opportunities in that space come up recently. Actually, since I posted that photo of on my LinkedIn of, of um, graduating, that's getting getting my graduate certificate. So, yeah, it's I guess as I said, I've, I've worked out that that's what helps me play better footy. So I'm not going to stop um, trying to do stuff away from footy now.
0: Yeah, for sure. Have you have you noticed like working how many? Because a lot of rugby league players they struggle once they finish sports. To think all the skills that you've learnt during sports, most of them don't think it's transferable. But now that you're doing both at the same time, has that opened your eyes to how many are transferable over to the business world?
1: Yeah, well, I think, um, you know, it's something that um, at different points I've, I've spoken to um, career coaches. I guess it's, you know, when I was applying for jobs, it probably wasn't something, you know, it, it was coming through on my resume that I had no experience. It was, mm. Yeah, you know, it was probably more, you know, what I was putting on my resume. You know, if you just put NRL player, uh, probably doesn't stick out. But when you put the characteristics that you need to be an NRL player, like you know, just work ethic and um, you know, motivation and uh, all these things, you know, ability to ability to handle criticism, um, under you know, perform under pressure, all this stuff. Um, you know, it does relate to jobs. It just it just someone just obviously needs to take a um, a chance on um, someone who might not have experience, but probably has you know good characteristics. And I've met some people um, since that have sort of I guess pointed pointed that out to me that mm. um, you know it probably wasn't what I, it was probably what I wasn't putting on the resume that that wasn't helping um, with those jobs, but. That's uh, probably a good thing too, because if I got a good job in in um in Queensland, I might have taken it and then all of a sudden um, not worried about the south offer. but um you know it's it's I guess it's um it's something as I said, it's it's something that I'm doing because it helps my footy, but I guess the the other benefit is yeah, when when footy finishes I won't be at that point where I was once in my life where you sort of for some people you finish footy and then all of a sudden it's you know you're on the edge of a cliff and you don't know what what you're going to do next and um yeah i, I sort of i guess it's it's going to help when that day comes to for know, sure what i want to do and, and hopefully have created some um, relationships that will help me do that too
0: definitely now mark last part of the potty i want to talk to you about 2021 and to start things off, let's let's just go through some of these highlights because they're brilliant.
1: Keep going now, left side for Walker. floats it over the top. Here goes Burns. Here comes Beanie,
0: Back inside. Nichols has forced his way through like Big Mel of the Kangaroo Tour. Oh my God, that looked big, right in front of the uprights. Five out. Nichols gets it there. Mark Nichols scores for the Rabbitohs. Across the face of Mario, oh, he's got a double. Mate, some of those lines that you're running back to the back roller days, how good, but that try that you stole, you surely would have had to shout him a few beers for that one.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Hostie's been um, been my roommate all year. So um, at one stage, he sort of said, you know, like, Anyone else, he would have been filthy, but because it was me, I'm 100th. Like, how, can he, how can he get angry at that? Um, but, yeah, it was funny. I, I didn't even see him. Like, just my eyes lit up and all I seen was the ball. And, um, yeah, watch it back. I didn't realise, you know, I literally took it out of his hands to, um, to score the try. And it's funny because it, he'd already scored one too, so it would have been his first double. Um, but, yeah, we, as I said, we've been roomies all year, so I was probably lucky that it was him. Yeah. Um, and and vice versa, he he was just happy that it was me. Anyone else, he, he reckons he would have been filthy.
0: Yeah, but Mark, this player that you become, because your first six years of first grade, only 28 games, but your last four, 82 games, three prelims and a grand final. I know that you were a lot more settled off the field, but there's probably more and more that, that added to make a bit of an ingredients for this player that you are now as a starting prop in a grand final team. Can we talk? Can we just explore that a little bit more of kind of what's happened over these last four years to make you such a consistent player?
1: Yeah, I, I think we sort of touched on it a little bit. It's probably a bit of everything, you know. Like I, I sort of went down to Melbourne, um, became a better player. I came to South, and um, yeah, you know, sort of got a little bit of an opportunity overseas. But then Wayne came, and you know, I, I've told this story before, but um, you know, I think it, it was sort of first or second week of January and um, and sort of Wayne had only been at the club for like a month and we sort of just had a meeting before training and he asked me and Junior to tell her to, to sort of stay stay back after the meeting and then he sort of said, you know, I, I've been here a month, I've watched every game from you guys last year and, um, you know, you two guys I think should have played more minutes than what you did and, and in my case more games and... Um, you know, sort of just said I've watched you guys train now for a month, um, and said regardless of what happens between here and round one, I'm going to pick you both on the bench um, as the two front, the two replacement front rowers, and and just said you don't have to worry about that now. Like you know, um, just go out and, and train like an NRL player, and, and know that you're going to be there round one, and um, and and you know, for a guy who'd been on the fringe all his career, it was sort of just. Um, you know, I couldn't believe it. Really, I, I mm. sort of that point of the of preseason, most coaches are sort of saying, you know, I'm going to pick the team round one on on the trials and and how you're training and you know, in reality, that the probably 15 spots have already already been chosen. Um, you know, by guys' pay pay packets and and reputation and stuff like that. You know. Um, you know, so for a coach to sort of come out 8 months 8 weeks before the season had even started and saying I'm I'm going to pick you no matter what um I think it just it just gave me and junior you know a lot of confidence and and belief in those things that I spoke about what Wayne does so well and and in the end you, you sort of just because he's given you that you don't want to let him down and mm. um you know I guess from there both both of our careers are sort of um you know, taken off the last three years, and we both sort of become consistent, you know, footy players. Um, and we both sort of, I guess, started starting front rows in a grand final team. And um, as I said, for me, especially for me as a fringe player, it was just sort of, you know, just. I, I, I still can't believe, I still can't believe that it, that it happened. But you know, and from that from that point on, obviously, I sort of, you know. When you're a fringe player, you're sort of always worried about getting dropped, I guess, because yeah. you, you've, you've been dropped so many times before, and um, I guess you're sort of waiting for it to come, um, but when you sort of don't have to worry about that, all of a sudden you're just – you're enjoying your footy and, you know, getting, getting confident, sorry, and then, you know, it sort of just snowballed over the three years. I just sort of kept getting kept getting better and kept getting more confident and, and – um, and yeah, as I said, it's crazy to think um, this year, what I, what, I, what I achieved this year, and what the team achieved, especially from sort of where I've come from in my career. So, um, yeah, I think it's just the, just the whole whole heap of things falling into place.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's also great with, with science and sports science, all that sort of stuff improving. Like 20 years ago, when we were all growing up, at 31, you now, you would have been nearly the end of your career. Now it seems that you're just coming into this your peak. Like you could have another four or five good years left in you, mate.
1: Yeah, I um, when I uh, when I re-signed that first year under Wayne, um, you know the club originally had sort of made a twelve-month offer, which is um, you know at that stage in, in my life, um, Perry and I were looking to get married um, and obviously you know look to start a family and. Um, I sort of just went went and had a chat to Wayne and said, you know, I've sort of been off contract or signing twelve month contracts for five years. Like, you know, if there's is there any chance that I could get a second year? And um and sort of Wayne asked how old I was. I said, Oh, you know, I'd be turning thirty in January and then he sort of, you know, thought for a couple of seconds and he goes, Oh mate, I only play you for thirty minutes every week. You'll play till you're thirty five. <laughs> yeah, leave it with me, I'll get your second year easy. Nice. <laughs> um but, yeah, I um, yeah, it's, it's I guess it is pretty funny to think that, you know, I'll be 32 in January that you can, you know, be getting better as a football player. But, um, you know, I guess with that sports science and stuff like that, um, you know, training programs are sort of tailored now and, um, you know, we get a lot more time off than, than the older blokes used to get back in the day. And, um, yeah, probably just, I guess, you know, you look at some guys that play to their mid, late 30s. It's, um, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, for sure. Now, wrap up it's my dinner party question. You've got, this is my last one I'll ask everyone, five invites to a private dinner party. Now, the only rules, Mark, no family or friends, but you can invite anyone dead or alive. Who would you like to invite to dinner?
1: Oh, wow. Did you say five? Yeah. Um, oh, jeez. I'd probably, uh, I'd, go, I'd start with Michael Bevan. He was my um, favourite cricket player growing up.
0: How good was uh, that? Remember that four he hit off that last ball at the SCG? Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah um,
0: I got to interview him, actually. It was awesome.
1: Oh, how good. Yeah. yeah so I I, um, I had a big poster. of the, the biggest poster I had as a kid was of Michael Bevan. Yep. Um, and then at one stage, my mum met him and got, got like a coaster. At, I think it was like the Mollymock RSL or something. <laughs> sort of said to mark michael bevan so how good uh, was my quiet possession as a kid yeah uh, and then i guess i'd have to invite billy slater because he was my favorite football player growing up um,
0: <laughs> did you get chills when you met him
1: yeah it was funny because i um I, i'd obviously you know like i grew up i grew up supporting the storm so then to end up at the club um was crazy but yeah when i was 12 or 13 and you know they used to play a lot of Saturday afternoon games, so I'd play footy on the Saturday, and we have, we didn't have Fox still as a family, but my um, grandparents had it, so I'd ride my bike out to my grandparents to make sure I watched the Storm game every Saturday, and um, and then that was sort of when Billy was, you know, had debuted and killed yeah. as a young guy, and there's um, <laughs> a pullback then. He was just so electric, and uh, I didn't sort of say anything to him, but after 2017 when they won the GF and I had a few – Beers in me, I knew I was leaving and Billy was retiring, and sort of thought oh, I might not get this chance again. So I went and asked for a photo with him and um, and sort of said, you, you know, like you were my favourite player growing up, <laughs> which is probably, you know, for a front rower to say to a fullback's already funny enough. But the fact that I'd already been, you know, playing with him and training with him for two years before I told him, he probably thought I was, you know, a bit strange. But um, I had a few beers in me and then knew the opportunity was probably never going to come again. So uh, I got a photo with Billy, um, which was a bit of a fan fanboy moment. But um, yeah, so he, he would get a run. Um, probably have to invite someone, you know, a bit of a country country music fan. So oh, yeah, remember. nice. Yeah. Someone to play some tunes. So um, I'll go maybe uh, Luke Coombs.
0: Okay. Um, do you get a, do you cop a little bit of stick in the Rabbitohs dressing room for your country music mate?
1: Uh, no, nah, not really. It's probably helped having Wayne there, okay. to be honest. I think, um, if Wayne doesn't like the music, he turns it off. So, <laughs> um, so, so when the music gets turned off, it either comes back with country or something like a bit, bit, bit older. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's probably helped. Like there's, yeah, you know, obviously a few of the boys like the Luchell and Cody and that love, love their country as well. So, okay. um, it gets played a little bit every now and then, um, which is good. So, yeah, I'd invite Luke Coombs. And then, jeez, um, I can't think who else I'd, uh, who else I'd have put me on the spot a little bit.
0: No uh, problems, mate. No problems at all. Well, Mark, I appreciate you joining me on the podcast. It's been a great chat. Now, before I let you leave, now, Instagram, you're on there at Marky Nico. And you're also participating like as you've done for a few years now in November, so people can just jump on your page and support you that way, right?
1: Yeah, I've, I've got the the link in my bio on my Instagram. Um, it's crazy. I uh, I sort of I put a bit of a bit of a post up um, a couple of days ago just about a bit of a giveaway mm. um, just to see if I could get a few more donations and. It went crazy. to see South fans um, really came to the party. So, nice. uh,
0: when are you closing that one, mate?
1: The uh, the giveaway. Yeah, I'll do it on. I'll do it on December the first. Okay, so, perfect.
0: Well, I have this podcast out on Monday, which will be what's that? The twenty second of November. So, everyone listening, yeah. you've still got about a week to get in and participate in Mark's little giveaway there. So, jump on board.
1: Yep. Yeah, jump on board. Good cause and you uh, know Even better, Mo, at the moment.
0: (laughs) That's brilliant. Well, Mark, appreciate you sharing all your stories and your journey, mate. Wish you all the best for season 2022, mate. And, yeah, let's hopefully catch up again sometime, bud.
1: Thanks for having me on, mate.